Okay, so I have for you guys tonight three amazing stories. And the stories really are um, stories that will touch your heart and hopefully inspire your week with joy and uh, inspiration. First story uh, is very related to the idea of divine providence. The Baal Shem Tov taught us, Zalman, you know the story? Baal Shem taught us that everything we see or hear is a message from Hashem. And that's because everything that happens in our life is designed by Hashem's hand. And sometimes, uh, especially when we think about it and we trust in it and we expect Hashem's kindness, so we see how the dots connect. Hashem shows us how things in our life, how they are, how Hashem is taking care of us. So this story is about a man who, true story, uh, Rabbi um, Eisenman, who is the Rav of the community of Abbas Yisrael in Passaic, New Jersey. And he was uh, asked by a member of his congregation to help him the following situation. His, uh, this elderly man um, was um, interested in moving to an assisted living facility in northern Florida. And the issue he's having was that the, he didn't read the fine print in the agreement, which he had already signed. He, everything was looked great. He had signed the lease. He's going to go to this new place. But the problem was that there was a fine print that he didn't notice, which said, no pets allowed. And for him, that was something that really bothered him because he had a German shepherd, which was a service dog. It really took care of him. And after his wife had died six years before, um, when Ethel, his wife, had died, this dog was his only companion. And especially during COVID, he really um, relied on this dog, and this dog was what kept him alive. Zalman, come a little closer. Okay, fine. Anyways, so uh, he really wanted to do something about this, and he had no idea what to do. So he turned to the rabbi, because, you know, rabbis are also good at um, everything. So why not call the rabbi? So the rabbi calls the uh, the healthcare facility, and he speaks to the manager. And the manager says that, it's, I really understand the situation, but I'm sorry, policy is policy, nothing I could do. So the rabbi calls back, and he speaks to the rabbi of the facility. The rabbi facility says, I understand the situation, I'm very sympathetic, but there's nothing we could do. So the rabbi really doesn't know what to do. So he keeps on calling back, trying to figure something out. He feels for this guy. This guy, like he felt like this was like a death sentence for him. He really, really felt terrible. This German shepherd, Oakley, you know, he really, it, for him was like life itself. And he couldn't bear to think of leaving his beloved dog. So... Finally, the exasperated manager tells the rabbi, there is one way that we could allow this uh, German shepherd to come to the um, facility, and that is if the owner himself agrees. But the owner himself lives in Florida. He never goes anywhere, and he's not going to come on the phone with you. If you come to Florida and speak to him, actually, you know what? Right now, the owner happens to be in Borough Park. If you, I can give you the address. You can go see the owner, and you can speak to him. So... Rabbi is very excited, and he takes a trip from Passaic, New Jersey, to Borough Park, and he goes to meet the owner, a, a man whose name was Mr. Hertzler. Mr. Hertzler greets him very warmly, and he um, he uh, offers him some kokosh cake and some tea, 
But then he sees on his arm the um, he sees the uh, um, tattoo of the Nazis of the number that uh, he received when he was in Auschwitz. And he's thinking, there's no way this man, who was a Hasidic man, uh, he's a Hasidic man or in general, a lot of Hasidic men are, don't um, have pets, they're not familiar with the need of having a pet. And plus, this guy's a Holocaust survivor, and the Germans use their, the, their German shepherds to hunt for Jews. So there's no way this guy is going to be sympathetic to his cause. That's what he's thinking. So he, he tells the man, Mr. Herzler, can you do me a favor? I need to speak to you. I need to ask you for your help. So after he tells him what's going on, Mr. Herzler says, the truth is, when you came in, you said you want to ask me for a favor. But you're actually doing a favor to me. I've been waiting for you for 78 years. True story. First hand from the Shabbat Eisenman. I'm waiting for you for 78 years. Why? He said in 1945... The Germans knew the war was over and they evacuated the concentration camp. They took all of us with them. But I decided I'm not going to go. And I hid. I hid under a bunker and the, the crawl space. And the Nazis, before they left with all the Jews to the death march, they searched under the bunkers in the crawl space with the German shepherds. And there is a spiritual remedy to protect yourself from dogs to recite the verse that talks about how no dog growled the Jewish people, the Jewish people left Egypt. So I was saying this verse again and again, to all the Jewish people, no dog sharpened its tongue, no dog growled ferociously. I was saying this verse again and again as the dogs and the Nazis approached. The dog came so close to where I was, under the bunker in the crawl space, so close to me that I could smell the dog's breath. But despite the fact that it was in such close proximity to the dog, miraculously, the dog did not react at all. And the Nazis left, and that's how I survived. I decided that just like God says to reward the dogs, and to, if you have a non-kosher piece of meat, the, the Torah says to reward the dogs who didn't bark at you and give them this non-kosher piece of meat, so just like the Torah says to reward the dogs because they protected us when we left Egypt, so too I decided I'm going to reward a dog. If, if ever a German shepherd needs my assistance, I'm going to help a German shepherd one day because a German shepherd was there for me on my day of liberation. And I'm waiting for 78 years to fulfill, my, my, to fulfill this vow. So it's not just a story about fulfilling vows, but it's a story of divine providence and the power of a decision of a Jew how Hashem listens to us and our decisions we make have a real impact in Shemayim. The um, second story I want to share with you tonight um, in sync with this week's Torah portion, which talks about the death of the children of, of uh, Aaron's sons and how they passed away because, as Orachim HaKadosh explains, they came close to Hashem and they died. They were such a yearning to be close to Hashem, their souls left them. And Chesus explains that it's not a good idea to be close to Hashem in a way that hurts your health. That being close to Hashem is good, but not to do that in a way that, that, will, that will take you away from what Hashem wants you to do. So in sync with that, there was a chassid of the Tzemach Tzedek, previous Shabbat writes a story, true story. So chassid of Tzemach Tzedek, whose name was Shalom Shol Shalom Shol would travel 
to the Tzemach Tzadik by foot. Chassidim didn't want to share the mitzvah of traveling to the Rebbe with a horse and wagon, and they would travel themselves to the Rebbe. And this was a great act of, of, of connection and devotion to their Rebbe, and they would do this every year. This Shalom Shal was getting older, it was hard for him to travel, but he still refused to go on a horse and wagon. He would only travel by foot from the near, nearby city, I think of Shvinsian. And he would, because he was older, it was hard for him to go every year. So he went every two years. He would come for Shavuos. And uh, he would always share stories with the, um, because he loved the, um, the forest. He loved the, with the outdoors. So he, um, he ended up um, sharing stories with, um, was it? The Tzom outside? I don't know who it was. Anyways, he shared the following story. He said that um, when he turned 90 years old, older Hasidim wanted to, um, actually, now I remember, this, um, this, the previous Rebbe met another Chassid who shared the following story with the, pre, pre, with the previous Rebbe about Absalom Shalakai. So when he was so old, it was hard for him to travel to the, to the to Rebbe, as I mentioned. And, but, and the older Chassidim didn't like the fact that he was traveling to the Rebbe because they thought that it was not good for his health. And also, after he went, after he visited the Rebbe, it was customary that Chassidim would dance. And he also participated in this dance, and he did a kazatke. Kazatke is a very strenuous dance, one that Mechol David is very good at. And uh, he uh, did this dance with the Shmuel Munkas. And so the older Hasidim, they came to Tzemach Tzad, and they said, it's not okay, he's traveling by foot, it's not healthy for him. Number two, he does this, he, he acts like a little kid, he dances, he's not up to that, he's 90 years old. He's 90 years old. So when he came to Tzemach Tzadik, Tzemach Tzadik said to him, that a Jew has to honor his body. And the older the body gets, the more you have to honor your body because of all the mitzvahs, all the times you put on tefillin, all the times you put on your talus, because of all the mitzvahs that accumulate, you have to honor the body more. And therefore, the Tzimach Tzedek says that it, the yearning we have to Hashem in the avening has to translate itself into shuv, into fulfilling the actual desire of Hashem in this world to make vessels for godliness and not to, in other words, not, not to try to go too high, but to focus on where you are. That's what Tzemach Tzedek said. So after he left Tzemach Tzedek's room, he told the Hasidim, who were, as customary, were middle of the dance, they called it the Koyesh Kadashim dance, a dance after being in the Holy of Holies. Hasidim called the Rebbe's room the Holy of Holies, and after the, being in the Rebbe's room, they would do the Koyesh Kadashim dance, a dance of the Holy of Holies. He said to Hasidim, believe me, I am as, I am as young and as and energetic as I always was, but the Rebbe said that I must honor my body, so therefore I can't do the regular dance. But please, make, help me dance. The two chassidim came forward, and they made a chair with their arms. Right away, they picked him up in the chair, but he got so excited, and they sang the song that they would sing during this special dance. And he couldn't hold himself in, and he jumped up, and he clapped, and he danced the kazatka on their, on their, on their arms. That's the second story. The third story is a Maisa Naira. It's a story which is uh, in sync with the GEM video tonight, talking about how the mitzvahs we do affect our physical health. 
uh, our tzitzis and our tefillin and our mezuzahs and our kosher, how this impacts uh, our lives in a very positive way. As to our health, so I'm going to share with you an incredible story that Rabbi, Rabbi Pina Baumgarten shared himself. Um, stories like this. Uh, Rabbi Pina is from um, Argentina. That's where his father, Rabbi Baumgarten, was sent by the, by the Rebbe. And he helped out for a time in the Rebbe's office. And he saw it was in the summertime, the month of Av, and there was a time when the Rebbe didn't have private audiences. And there were three people that were waiting to see the Rebbe, three brothers. They had come from Argentina especially to see the Rebbe. They were very, very wealthy. And one of the brothers was very sick with Yenamachla. And they didn't um, know what to do. And so one of the, their friends in, in uh, Argentina said to them, going to New York to see specialists, if you don't go to see the Rebbe, it's like you're wasting your time. You go to, you're going to New York, for sure you should see the Rebbe. So they came to New York. And they took a, uh, a, a um, whole floor of a hotel, a very fancy hotel. They brought their doctor with them and, their, and the, um, they're doing chemo and all, all the treatments that they, were, they would do in Argentina. They did this in America and they took care of this, of this guy, their brother. They wanted to see the Rebbe. So Rabbi Klein, Rebbe Sektor Al-Bashom said, the Rebbe doesn't see people during the three weeks, so they can't. Um, speak to the Rebbe then, but after three weeks, the Rebbe could talk to them. So Rabbi Baumgarten spoke to them in Spanish, and they said they they're going to wait. They're going to wait till after three weeks, and uh, then they'll be, they will like to see the Rebbe. But Rabbi Baumgarten asked them if they are observant at all. Do they do any mitzvot? And they said no. They were orphaned at a very young age. They were raised by their mother. Their mother was a very uh, wonderful person, but she had no knowledge at all of Judaism. And she didn't teach her children anything at all about Judaism. Not Tefillin, not Rosh Hashanah, not Yom Kippur. So Rabbi Baumgarten said, listen, you're going to see the Rebbe in order for the blessing to, um, a blessing is like rain. And in order for the, the rain to cause things to grow, you have to first plow and plant. And then the blessing can, can cause the, um, can cause things to grow. So why don't you make a decision now to put on Tefillin every day? And he, he bought them, they all went together to buy film. They bought three pairs of film. And every day, Rabbi Baumgarten went to their hotel, put on film. After this, Zalman, come, come join Zalman. After uh, the, a week of putting on film to with them together, the night for their audience, the Rebbe came. And the um, two brothers came, the healthy brothers and their brother who was sick came together with his wife. And Rabbi Baumgarten wrote to the Rebbe um, a, uh, what was going on and how they put on tefillin and they want a bracha. And the Rebbe's other secretaries told Rabbi Baumgarten that you should go into the Rebbe because they don't speak um, Spanish. Uh, Rebbe, they, he, should, he should translate the Spanish. Uh, he should translate for the Rebbe. Translate from the Rebbe to them. So they came to the Rebbe and the Rebbe said that it's important for their brother's health that, that all of them, especially the brother who isn't well, to resolve to keep kosher. And this will be a blessing for his health. That's the Rebbe said. And uh, Rabbi Baumgarten tried to translate. The Rebbe said that wasn't what I meant. 
yeah, there was, there was spoke Spanish, but uh, didn't want to speak Spanish at that time for whatever reason. Anyways, so so uh, then after the Rebbe um, told him what, what he needed to do, the um, the Rebbe said I, he wants to see the area in the body which has been affected. So the brother comes forward, and the Rebbe leans over, put put on his glasses. As parenthetically, the Rebbe put put on his glasses is uh, something that the Rebbe would do on rare special occasions that uh, means something that uh, it's not, it's, it wasn't uh, only to see to see better. The Rebbe put on his glasses, for example, when he said to heal him, on Hashanah you Rabbah. Know, it's like it shows you there's something about the Rebbe's glasses that it has some spiritual significance. Anyways, he put on his glasses and the Rebbe looked at, him, at the area he showed him. The Rebbe said to Rabbi Baumgarten, tell him, Pinya, that I don't see anything. Okay, so then the Rebbe started to give blessings and more blessings and more blessings and more blessings. And then the Rebbe asked again, can I see the area which has been affected? And he shows the Rebbe again, the area in the skin which has been affected. And the Rebbe leaned over again from his desk, sort of stooped over. And the Rebbe said, Zogim, Garnish, tell him I don't see anything at all. The Rebbe said. So they... Um, they they left and they resolved as the Rebbe instructed to keep kosher. Rabbi Baumgarten got married that year in Kislev in December, and his father was close with these three brothers, Marchantina, and he was expecting to come to his wedding, but he didn't see them at the wedding. And he asked his father what happened. His father just put his head down, didn't say anything. He knew that he realized something was going on. And the next day he asked his father after the wedding, where were those brothers? How come they didn't come? So his father said that the, they, they kept their decision to keep kosher. And a day later already, when they examined this brother, the whole disease was gone. And they were, and they, and they were so excited about the decision and about the blessing. And when they went to, they, they visited Miami, and Miami they also kept kosher. But then they ended up going to some resort. And that resort, there was hard to keep kosher, and they stopped keeping kosher in that resort. And within a week, of Honol Slan, the disease came back. And he passed away. So my there. So this Rabbi Baumgarten, although it was during his Sheva Brachas, right after his wedding, I don't know halachically if he was or wasn't allowed to go there, but he went. He went right after um, the middle of the Sheva Brachas. He went to um, to uh, to see the brothers and to go with them with their mother. And one of the brothers came down to the elevator in the hotel to see him. And his brother said, Zen gave, Zen, he told him in Spanish, look and see what it is. When a person doesn't listen to the instruction of the Rebbe. Anyways, the point is that uh, the Rebbe's words are are like, oh, time to go. Time for the bell, time to the blowing of the shofar, coming Mashiach, and the Rebbe's words to frost our eyes to see the, these words being fulfilled. And meanwhile, to upgrade in all areas, areas in Torah, mitzvahs, as we saw in the gem video tonight, to upgrade our souls and thereby to upgrade our bodies as well, upgrade our spiritual health, upgrade our physical health, and to have more strength and energy to fulfill the will of Hashem in this world, make this world a home for Hashem, and to see the coming of Mashiach, we should see this happen coming tonight. A good